racist and non-racist, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. Direct message for today, May 27th in the year 2021. As always, click subscribe on YouTube. There's a button over there. Tap the notification bell. See what sort of magic happens with the YouTube machine. Uh, today we are doing a Ruben Report community Q&A. We got a swath, a wide swath of questions, about 100 questions. We randomly selected them. I glanced at them very quickly, but I don't know all of them. And I will do my best to answer your questions succinctly and honestly. Uh, first though, we are gonna be talking about this White House press conference this morning where now they're kinda saying that, yeah, maybe that whole COVID thing did actually leak from a lab in Wuhan. Remember, that was what conspiracy theorists and Trump people and probably white supremacists were saying for the last year and a half. But now we're all kind of saying it. So, you know, yesterday's conspiracy theorists are today's sane people. That's how it works. But before we get to all of that and the Q&A, I wanna talk to you guys about Bambi. You know, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, the list goes on and on. And HR manager salaries aren't cheap at an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can transform HR from your biggest liability to your greatest asset. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, -day, all for just 99 bucks a month. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. And if you're like me, then I'm pretty sure you didn't start your business because you wanted to spend all your time with HR compliance. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash Ruben right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Ruben, spelled BAM to the BEE.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, we're gonna throw to some video from this morning, uh, the White House press conference, where, uh, by the way, there was a new press person there. It's not Jen Psaki, it's a new girl. I'm told she's the first African-American uh, White House press secretary. Okay, very exciting. I don't really care about people's race. I care if they're competent, but some people are excited about that. Okay, that's just fine. Fabulous, wonderful. Uh, in any event, she was asked about what's going on with this crazy conspiracy theory that that Donald Trump guy said about a year ago about potentially COVID being leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Let's take a look. Uh, another question on uh, COVID. Uh, the language that you all use specifically mentioned an accident. Does that mean that uh, you've ruled out or the IC has ruled out that it was uh, deliberate or not an accident? We haven't ruled out anything yet. Um, again, we're going to go through this, you know, this redoubling down of another of a 90 day review and we'll have more to share. Okay, so I don't know if COVID came from a Wuhan lab. I don't know if if COVID came from a bat or a pig or a pig that banged a bat or any of those things. We are gonna find out. At some point, we will find out. I've seen the movie Contagion and in the end, they link the whole thing together. You figure out where it came from, okay? Came from Gwyneth Paltrow, perhaps from her vagina smelling candle, all right? Um, but this is really, really interesting stuff because basically for the last year, 
Anyone that said that this thing has leaked from a lab, or at least there was potential that this thing had leaked from a lab, a lab was basically called a conspiracy theorist. They were called a crazy person. Uh, as a matter of fact, Facebook was deleting posts and deleting accounts of people that were talking about this. I have no doubt that in the YouTube algorithm there was suppression related to this. I have no doubt that in the Twitter algorithm there was suppression related to this. Well, just today now, now that the government is suddenly saying, oh, maybe there is something to see here, which by the way, if the government's saying, oh, maybe there's something to see here, that pretty much means there's definitely something to see here. But now that the government's doing that, well, Facebook, as of this morning, has now reversed their policy, and you are allowed to talk about whether COVID came from a Wuhan lab leak. You have not been allowed to talk about it for the last year. And why I think this story is interesting isn't actually whether it came from a lab or not, although that is pretty interesting, and technically, if it was leaked from a lab, especially if it was intentionally leaked from a lab, well then, I hate to tell you guys, but we actually are at war with China. Like, that is an absolute act of war, and what do we do in a time of war? I mean, this, this could be world-changingly horrific. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna have to talk about related to that, and over the next couple weeks and months as we find out more, uh, you know, obviously we wanna get to the truth, but look, it could be possible that it leaked accidentally, and then we have to deal with that accordingly, and the international community has to sort of figure out how they wanna deal with this sort of thing. But if it leaked negligently, intentionally, if this was something that the Communist Party of China wanted to leak out into the world, knowing that the Western countries would just self-immolate, that they would just all destroy themselves and lock down and wreck their economies and all of those things and buy billions of dollars worth of PPE from China and get all their medicine from China. Well, if China did that, sort of a war without firing a shot, then we got a big problem on our hands. By the way, China also you know, owns a ton of our debt, right? We're, we're in massive, massive debt to China. And at some point when they call in the tab, when they're like, no, 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 guys, no more beers on us, we're, we're calling in the tab. Well, then what do we do? Because we can't pay them back. We don't have any money. I mean, Biden just now is trying to pass a $6 trillion uh, budget. It's like, we don't even have any money. In any event, for the last year, we've been told you're a conspiracy theorist. If you talk about this, Trump did mention it a year ago. Now the question really is like, do you trust the Biden administration to do the right thing, to tell us the right thing? And also what about all of the people in the media who just said the awful things about anyone that talked about this? And also, does the media get anything right? I mean, this is just now another story. If it turns out to be true, which it seemingly is leaking out, like you'd leak out of a lab, it's sort of leaking out now, that this is looking true. So if it is, if this is just another thing that the media got wrong, slam the people who said it, only to come around, it's like, man, there's just nothing left. There's just nothing left when it comes to the corporate press. So, you know, hopefully a couple people will have their mea culpas, a couple people will admit that they're wrong, um, but I'm not, I'm not holding any uh, major hope for that. Um, and the last thing that I will say on this, is that the real question here is, do we, do we trust any information? That This is sort of related to the media part of this. Like, do we actually trust our administration to tell us the truth? Do we trust that China's gonna tell us the truth or that the WHO is gonna tell us the truth or the CDC is gonna tell us the truth or the, the White House spokeswoman or any of those things? Like, this is one of those ones where it always feels like we're on our own and we're in it together. We're at it together because I'm trying to work through these things in an honest way to process it so that you guys can process it in an honest way. But we're in it together. And speaking of being in it together, let's do a little Q&A. We got about 100 questions from the rubenreport.locals.com community. We tried to mix them up so it's not all politics. Here we go. 
Steven says, do you feel we are making progress? Wuhan lab leak finally being covered by mainstream media, mask mandates rolled back, CRT getting squashed in some of the school districts, even Biden's press secretary getting asked tough questions. What's your sense? Well, I like this question because gave me a nice transition from where we started here, but also like, I like the idea that maybe we're getting some momentum right now. And I know it's tough, it's tough to see through all the BS, but I am starting to feel like the pushback on critical race theory is getting stronger and stronger. You know, the clip that we played yesterday of Chris Rufo, the lawyer who I've had on the show and a buddy of mine who is one of the leading people fighting against critical race theory in schools, the, the video of him on Mark Lamont Hill's show, Black News Tonight, where Mark Lamont Hill is trying to demand that Rufo talk about what's so great about being white. Well, it's very obvious who the racist is. And that clip really went viral, which is why uh, I wanted to play it on the show yesterday and I talked about it on Newsmax this morning because it's like, it's fairly obvious who the racists are. If you really think about it, not even you don't really think about it, just see the world for what it is. It's fairly obvious that one set of people wanna racialize everything and one set of people are trying to deracialize everything. So you tell me who the racists are. So I think there's some pushback on that. Um, I think perhaps if we start getting more and more information that the the COVID virus did actually leak from a lab, then the media st might start pushing on the administration a little bit more. I don't have any real faith in the media. So that one, that one, not too much. What were the other things that you specifically mentioned? Oh, that mass mandates are being rolled back and we are starting to open up. Yeah, I think that at this point, like we all sort of, even, even sort of the most blue and on kind of brainwashed people, I think in, in the blue states, are kind of looking around going, all right, you know, it's May, summer's rolling around, like we're just kind of wrapping it up with COVID. Like everyone's just kind of wrapping it up, you know, like it, it did what it needed to do in the system, whatever the hell that was, and we're moving on. So yes, you're gonna still see a lot of paranoid people and, and people not taking CDC guidelines and wearing masks outdoors and the rest of it, trust me, I'm seeing it here. Um, but I think there is a pushback. And, and I guess the proof will be in the pudding from a political perspective in 2022, it's like every Democrat's gotta go. You all gotta go, you all gotta go. And as I always say, it doesn't mean the Republicans are so spectacular, but they're better than that. They don't wanna run every facet of your life and they're not running around pushing racism on everybody. So that's that's what we'll find out over the next sort of year and a half, I would say. Uh, Eli Shama says, what are your thoughts on the openly anti-Semitic rhetoric coming from the Democratic Party? There was a letter from four Democrats denouncing it but the leaders have yet to. So yeah, so four random Democrats, Congress people, um, who I hadn't even heard of, actually did issue a letter denouncing the anti-Semitism in their own party. It didn't really get any mainstream media coverage. I'm guessing you haven't heard about it because it doesn't really excite the media, right? What excites the media is AOC and Tlaib and Omar saying crazy stuff. Look, you know, the simple fact is the endless obsession with Israel by AOC and the progressives and all these people kind of tell you who they're really obsessed with. I think I mentioned this on the show yesterday. There are about 50 Muslim majority nations. Uh, there are several dozen Christian minority, majority nations. It's a little harder to, to calculate. There's one ridiculously tiny Jewish nation. Doesn't mean it's always right. It obviously isn't. Doesn't mean it's not worthy of criticism. It obviously is. Have you ever been in a room with Jews? They're pretty critical of pretty much everything, including Israel. Um, but if you endlessly obsess over that country, if that's the one country out of all the countries in the world that you wanna boycott and divest and sanction, if that's where all of your ire goes to, 
the place that is the most progressive in the Middle East, the place that is the most tolerant in the Middle East, if that's the one place you want to obsessively focus on, then yeah, you're a bit of a Jew hater. Like, you are, you are. I don't like pulling out the racist card and the, oh, you're a Jew hater, you're a, you're a racist, that sort of thing. But the endless obsession with that place says far more about the people that are saying those things than it does uh, about Israel. Anyway, I, I think the ship has sailed for the Democrats. I really do. I just don't think there's anything good left there. And, and if there was, the moderates would be standing up. And yes, it is nice to see, I suppose, that a few, a few moderates who I've never heard of are, are fighting back a little bit. I wish him luck, I wish him luck, but you guys know my feelings on this. I think if you're an old school liberal and you were a once decent Democrat, meet the, meet the conservatives, meet the libertarians, like let's, let's build a country while these guys just burn the whole thing down. Uh, Monique says, this has been tugging at me for a while. Why would these blue state mayors and governors promote policies, like you can rob stores up to $900 with no consequences, let's let criminals out of jail, et cetera. Uh, why would they do things that are actively destructive to our beautiful cities? I mean, look, the cynical, the completely cynical answer to that is that they wanna destroy America. Like they, they believe that America is fundamentally flawed and racist and patriarchal and all of those things, and they just wanna destroy America. But, uh, you know, I toured with Jordan Peterson for a year and a half, and he would often say, you have to give the devil his due. So I will take not the complete cynical approach, I'll try to put myself in their positions. They believe that there are all of these inequities in society, that there are all of these disparities, right? And Thomas Sowell talks about this, that disparities do not automatically mean discrimination. If you want a little bit more on that, actually, uh, you should watch my interview this week with Glenn Lowry, which we just put part two up, and you can get the full episode over at rubenreport.locals.com right now. Um, but the, I would argue that if I had to put myself in their shoes, their position is the system has been so corrupt that we that it forces people to do bad things. So that the people who are breaking into drugstores and stealing all of this stuff under $900, or the people who are doing petty theft, or whatever these crimes are, we, sh we shouldn't do anything to them because they're just a product of the system. Now the inherent problem with that is even if any level of that is true, even if any level of that is true, either as a nation you have laws or you don't. I mean, I know that sounds very Trumpian. We either have borders or we don't. We're either a nation or we're not. But you either have laws or you don't. You can't say, oh, we have laws and they're applicable to certain people but not applicable to other people because then you also just keep the cycle of poverty going, the, the cycle of victimhood and everything else. I mean, so if your argument as the ding dong, uh, <laughs> as the foolish, I mean, really, really foolish district attorneys in Los Angeles and San Francisco are doing, where you can basically steal up to $900 worth of stuff and you're not gonna be prosecuted. Well, is the implication that anyone can do that? I mean, could a rich kid from Beverly Hills whose mom won't buy him PlayStation 5, could he walk into Best Buy and steal PlayStation 5 and four games, get it to about eight, you know $887, and then walk out of there, would that be as fair as the poor kid doing it? Now, I know it's not always about PlayStation and people tell, they keep telling us, AOC always says, you see, you got all these poor people out here, they're stealing food. It's very rare, actually, that they're stealing food. We know they're going into electronic stores. How many videos have you seen where they're going into Foot Locker? Are they eating these shoes? I don't think so. so the cynical version is they want to destroy America. The non-cynical version is just that they're extremely misguided. Maybe the answer lies somewhere in between, but either way, it's like we're a nation or we're not a nation. You have laws or you're not a laws and people have to behave civilly or they don't have to behave civilly. I think you know how I feel about it. Uh, Talia says, my boy is six and no, knows racism is bullshit. 
We've talked about it some, but how do we give this kid the fortitude to hold his ground? How can I make him understand truth is steadfast when everything outside our home is telling him that truth is subjective? Well, first off, um, you know, I don't have children yet. We're, we're working on it. I was hoping to have some updates uh, somewhat soon. It's gotten a little complex right now, but um, I don't have kids, so I can only give you sort of wide advice here um, because I wouldn't pretend that I can have the insight on this that you as a parent can have. Um, but at the, at the purely sort of ideal level of this, it sounds like you're doing a good job first because you're telling your child to believe in truth. And I suppose uh, that's probably the greatest gift in some ways that you could give your child, right? It's the greatest gift you could give anyone, like make them fight for truth. But what you're saying is when you get, when you walk out of your house, well, then everything is subjective and boys are girls and girls are boys and white people are all racist and all of the nonsensical things that, that a six-year-old would be slammed with. I would say the best thing you can do is probably be good people. If you're, I, I think if you model good behavior and, and decency and a productive member of society and you model that throughout your family and then your wider community, that your, your child will have some immunization to all of the mind viruses, the idea pathogens, as my friend Gad Saz says. Um, they, they will have some immunity built in so when all of the nonsense comes to them, they'll be like, well, wait a minute, I learned this from my parents. My parents are good, forthright, honest people. The community we're around, my family, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's sort of the best defense. I don't know that there's a societal defense right now. Uh, Sophia says, how can we reach more people in a short period of time? I talk to people all the time who know nothing of CRT, that Russiagate was a flop and think BLM is a legitimate group. I do my part, but we need to get people's eyes to open quicker. With all the censorship going on, what do you suggest? I mean, look, this is partly why I started Locals, right? Because I wanted to make sure that I would always be able to communicate directly with my audience and not be reliant on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. I just interviewed Crowder this week, Steven Crowder. He has two strikes on his channel. That means for whatever reason, YouTube could just take him out like that. They could Thanos him like that, right? So that's why I started Locals because we wanted to secure all of my stuff so I could always communicate with you guys, you could always communicate with me and then we can fight for what we believe in. And that's one piece of it. The other piece though is like, how do we get more information out there to wake people up out of this nonsense? I mean, this is, this is like the gajillion dollar question, right? Like how do we actually do that? I do believe in truth. I mean, this gets to the, to the earlier question and it gets to that, that great video that I showed of Jordan Peterson a couple weeks. I think that if you put truth into the world just because you think it is the right thing, it doesn't mean everything will work out, but it will be the best possible outcome. And as Jordan said, that actually is a leap of faith, which I love that, that way he can link truth to faith, meaning if you believe in truth for truth's sake, that that actually is a leap of faith. I think he said it's the ultimate expression of faith. I think that's a, a extraordinary, beautiful way to put it. And I think if you do that, we can get more people to our side if we're just better. I mean, I can tell you this, you know, since I, whatever you wanna call it, shifted to the right or I'm more conservative, or whatever the hell you wanna call it, it doesn't even matter at this point. I, although I do get into it quite heavily in my new book, which we'll be announcing in a couple weeks. Um, since I've done that, I can tell you that people on the right are much nicer, they are. They're more generous of time and spirit and they're more fun and they agree to disagree. And 
I just like them more. And I think that that's not me saying I wanna be around a whole bunch of people who think exactly the way I think. It's actually quite the reverse. I have great political debates with them. I, I mentioned the other day, we had this huge party here. We had a 20 person dinner party on Saturday night. Please don't arrest me, Gavin Newsom. And we had people with all sorts of political beliefs here, mostly on the right. There were a couple sort of nervous liberals, you know, like they can't quite figure out what's going on yet. And they're a little nervous, you know, let's not take pictures at the table, that sort of thing. Um, but, but conservatives and the right as a general rule is cool and fun. I know that's a very, that's a huge flip on what culture has taught us, but I just believe it's true. And if you go more towards that, I think, I think you'll, you'll find something good there. Uh, Ali says, how do you think the big tech censorship of health and medical information will affect our country in the next 10 years? I definitely wanna do a show focusing on this specifically because you know, as we're finding out more about COVID now, and as we're finding out that there are you know, some young people with some adverse effects to some of the vaccines, and just all of this stuff where suddenly, you know, for years we've been told my body, my choice, and now it's you must let the government puncture you with a needle. Like, like just the absolute absurd messaging that's making everybody crazy. The idea of health and medical records that'll all be online and what hackers could do with them. And, you know, if you've been vaccinated, does that get you a leg up on this job? Or if you haven't been vaccinated, are they gonna let you on a plane? Will the government try to punish you in one way or another? I, I think it's an absolutely fascinating topic. Actually, we're, we're trying to, I'm dealing this uh, with this with my editor right now, but we have one extra chapter in my book, which is a lot, uh, very heavy on sort of the science of the future, and it includes a bit about this, and we're thinking of actually cutting that chapter and releasing that as a bonus for people that pre-order, so we'll have, we'll have more on that a little bit. Uh, Ed says, what do you think about Ron DeSantis for POTUS in 24? Yeah, I've said it, I will support him without question. I cannot imagine a better candidate. I can't imagine anyone more ready to stand up to the machine. The real question, I think, is whether Trump is gonna run and, and if he runs, is, is DeSantis number two? Maybe that works. Uh, what I think would probably be the best outcome of all is that Trump is the outsider. Trump doesn't run, but he stands on the outside. He gets the rallies going, he gets the base excited, he fights the media. And he lets, he lets DeSantis just walk through the fire. He lets him be the responsible, respectable statesman. He lets him say the sensible things. And then Trump does the dirty work that whether we like it or not, it has to be done. And the question is, can, can Trump do that? And, and will Trump do it? And does he wanna do that? I don't know what the answer is. And, and maybe Trump's gonna run. We'll, we'll find, I suspect we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Fred says, wondering if you and Jordan Peterson will be doing anything again soon. Your conversations have been extremely meaningful in my life. Thanks for everything, Dave. Well, thank you for that, Fred. Um, I would love, love, love to get back out on the road, uh, specifically with Jordan, but also just generally get out, back out on the road. I'm talking to my agents now about figuring out a few things. I think I had mentioned to you guys that we were gonna do a week of shows in Florida in the middle of June, um, but then it was it was gonna all be comedy clubs like where you can only get like 150 or 200 people. It just kind of didn't make a lot of sense for me to leave the studio for a week to do that uh, and bring my guys and everything. It, it just really didn't make sense. I wanna do theaters and we know we can sell out theaters. So we're working on some theater stuff. Um, I will be in Florida, by the way, uh, June 17th to 20th, I'm interviewing uh, the mayor of Miami, who's just doing an incredible job, Mayor Francis Suarez, just doing an absolutely incredible job of welcoming people down there. He happens to be a Republican as well, and he's now welcoming all the big tech people. It's just wonderful. Um, but I would love to tour with Jordan again. You know, Jordan, obviously, it's only, it seems like it's been a while now that he's been back, but you know, it's only really, what, 
four months, barely, that, that Jordan's been back on the map. So I don't know what level of travel he's up to yet. We are talking about some stuff and hopefully we can figure out something, but I'd love to travel with him or solo and just get back out there and see, see human beings again. And we're also, we actually found a location here in LA that I was thinking about doing a, a live monthly show with about 200 people. Um, so like a dinner, dinner and a show kind of thing. So hopefully I'll have more info on that soon. Albie says, excuse me, Albie says, when will you bring on a guest to discuss cryptocurrency? It's part of the libertarian movement. You know, I've done one or two shows on it over, over the years specifically. I had Roger Veer on. He was the guy that sort of was part of the Bitcoin Cash fork when Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash uh, did their big split. But I absolutely should do more. And, and, you know, as I'm in all of these conversations now with locals, and we've got some really cool stuff happening. There's, they're really, I mean, I can't talk about it all right now, but like there is some serious momentum uh, around like the future tech and how we're gonna get off big tech and all that. There's just, there's just some great things happening. So we're talking to all sorts of crypto people about payment processing and can you do monthly subscriptions via crypto and tipping and tokens and all of that kind of stuff. And then there's some complex things with the SEC and we're talking about decentralized storage and there's all sorts of ethical and philosophical and legal issues with all of these things because the way we do things on Locals, I'll just give you one example that you might find interesting, which is you know if you decentralize storage, meaning that once you put something on the internet, it's there forever. So let's say in the Rubin Report community, let's say we started putting all of my content there and it could never be taken down because it doesn't have a centralized server, right? It's on computers all over the place. Well, that's pretty good because I'd be responsible for that. But let's say someone came into the community and because they hate me, they post something illegal or evil or just unthinkable. Well, if that is now decentralized, I can't remove it. So we're, we're doing all sorts of discussions and figuring out all sorts of technical ways to maybe have the creator be decentralized, but not, not necessarily the commenters. And by the way, the uh, commenters in the Ruben Report community and across locals, because there's a paywall, a minimum of $2, it's up to each creator. For the Ruben Report community, it's five bucks. Um, because of the paywall, we have basically no bad behavior. I mean, we have such an extraordinarily clean system. It's, it's just spectacular and awesome. Uh, but yes, I will do more on crypto for sure. Uh, Elijah says, who would you rather sit next to on a plane from Cali to Florida, AOC, Ilhan Omar, or Nancy Pelosi? Ugh. Why, Elijah, why? Um, well, AOC, I think, would be the absolute worst just because of her incoherent babbling and she has such an unpleasant voice and the tone and, and the inflection that she speaks with. And, and, uh, 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 uh. Um, Ilhan Omar, I, I might find it interesting to talk to her about some of these things. I think she has a complete misunderstanding of history. I think she's very ungrateful to be here in the United States. I think I could make a good case for why the US is good, why her obsession with Israel is, is misguided. I think we could actually talk about some of this stuff. I don't, I don't think she's very well-intentioned, but I would try. Nancy Pelosi, I guess that, well, that would probably be the best one because I would just drink whatever she's drinking. And you know, who doesn't want a little vodka when you're on the plane? Uh, Linda says, since you left the left, how has your family embraced this and are they on the same page as you? Um, well, not everybody, <laughs> I can tell you that much. Some of my family is, I, I don't wanna name names, but if my family members are watching, those of you on my side, you, um, you know, we know who we are and, and some of them aren't. It's caused some problems in my family actually. It's, it's caused some stuff, um, not as much in my immediate family, but more extended, talking to aunts, uncles, cousins, things like that. Um, and you know, I, I talk about this in Don't Burn This Book, but one of the things that I, I'm really proud of that I grew up with uh, is that I, I grew up in a family that was liberal in the true sense where everything could be debated and we'd have holiday dinners 
and meals and, and you know, everybody would be yelling and screaming and arguing and all of these things. And then dessert was served and everyone would just let it go. Like I never once remember a family fight about politics that leaked out into the next day. It was just like, oh, we're done, dessert served. Like, okay, we disagree on abortion or we disagree on whatever it might be. We disagree on Israel, whatever it is, you know? And it was always fine. Um, you know, politics has now become something else. We all know it's become this very uh, cult-like following and it's caused people to really go nuts. I, um, I've tried to make sure that my relationships, whether it's with friends or family, uh, are not affected by this stuff, but sometimes it's not your choice. And you know, nobody wants to be a punching bag. If you keep putting your hand out and someone keeps pushing it away, you know, at some point you just don't put your hand out anymore. And, and, and it sort of goes to an earlier question. I find that when you stand up for yourself, you are gonna lose friends no matter what. I don't even mean this just purely in a political sense. You stand up for yourself, you're gonna lose friends, you're gonna lose family, people are gonna say mean things about you. Now in, in the age of cancel culture, the mob will probably come after you. But when you get to the other side, like if they don't kill you, and they usually don't kill you, at least not yet, whatever that other side is, it's better. It's more authentic, it's more real, and you will find great new relationships and friendships. And, and that's, I, my life is an absolute example of that. Um, Dale says, when you were driving to Trader Joe's the other day on camera, it looked like you were driving a Tesla. If so, do you love it? Yes, we have one car between the two of us, only we are a one car household. We do have a Tesla that we lease. We've got a Model X, which we've had for about three years. I think the lease is just about expired. Uh, the Model X is the SUV. I absolutely love it. Like every time I drive that car, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. It feels like you're in Star Wars. Like everything about it is smooth and cool and digital and fun. And and it, and the, the ride is just so smooth. And when you really have open runway, you can freaking explode. Like you just pulse forward like you're on a ride. I mean, it's really, really awesome. The one thing that I don't like about it though is that the Model X, has those Falcon doors, you know, those back to the future doors that pop up this way. And sometimes they don't go up all the way and I have bashed my head into those doors so many times, it's absolutely ridiculous. Actually, a couple months ago, <laughs> right when Connor started, Connor, my director, it was like his like second day or something and we were going to a rally. Oh, you, you guys may remember this. We went to the rally at Sheila Cool's house. She was the uh, LA County administrator who voted three to two to close all the restaurants in LA. And then that night went to an outdoor restaurant before the edict came in. So we went to her house. We were driving to her house to, uh, to protest and uh, a guy in a truck just clipped us on the road. So we pull over and the car, the car actually was okay. A couple little scratches on the uh, you know, lower area, but the car was actually okay. But as I get out to exchange numbers with the guy, the door, the back door didn't open fully. I walk right into it and I have blood just dripping down my head, which I didn't even realize at first. And then we went to the rally and everyone was asking what happened, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, the, the Tesla is very cool. It ain't cheap, um, but it, it really is super cool. And if you haven't been in one, just you gotta go test drive one or just find a friend that's got one. And that ludicrous mode, you can, we don't have the ludicrous mode, I have the, low, the lower model, but there's a button called ludicrous mode and you press it, the car, it's like it's going into hyperspace. It's just, just awesome. Uh, Adam says, Dave and David, any fun travel plans? Uh, well, as I said, I'm going to uh, Florida in, in a little bit, but that'll be mostly, mostly business and Florida in the summer can be, can be pretty brutal. Um, well, you know, I'm going off the grid in August. We haven't actually discussed what we're gonna do this time around, um, you know, last year, because of COVID, there was really nowhere to go. So it was a very different off the grid. I've done four, I believe this will be my fifth year doing it. Um, 
and we were just home. We actually moved at the time, so we were very busy, but it was kind of easy to be off the grid. I'd like to do, if I could do like a week or 10 days just sitting on a beach somewhere, like that would be like the main thing. And then I don't need much more than that. I think I think I have a family wedding, one or two other little things. Um, but for me, like for the vacation stuff, you know, because I deal with politics all the time and like the endless craziness, part of the reason I do the off the grid thing is to escape all that. So when I do a vacation, I'm usually not like, oh, I wanna go to a lot of museums or I wanna, you know, do a lot of hiking or something. For me, it's like, wake up. If I can like roll out of bed onto a beach, I'm good, just lay there all day, eat some fish, and I'm, I'm very happy. Drink a margarita or two. Uh, Tanya says, so you and Mr. David Janet are out driving around, whether it's just driving to be driving, headed to dinner or to a party, you're both in an excellent mood and have no early morning obligations the next day. Where is this going? Uh, what style of music or artist are you listening to? Um, here, you know what? I'll just pull up my Spotify and tell you just the last couple things in my queue here. I just clicked home. So my last six things in my queue. Uh, there's a channel on Spotify called 100% Lounge, which we listen to a lot. I think I've told you guys, I like I like sort of ambient, soft, chill beats, and especially for parties, it's just great to have on in the background. Uh, I've got my my Frankie Valley pray, playlist, which I've gotta have going all the time. I love when I'm doing my grilling, like I'm very happy with some old school Frankie Valley. The Rippingtons, do you guys know the Rippingtons? I've, I've mentioned them in the community a couple times before. Again, it's sort of ambient, Sort of, it's sort of like light jazz, just very like mood, like uppy. I, I like I like a lot of ambient stuff. It's funny when I listen to songs with words, I go sort of Frankie Valley, very strong voice, or a Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin. I love the Rat Pack, that kind of stuff, like the crooners. Um, but generally, I do more uh, ambient stuff. Uh, let's see what else I have in here. I have the Rat Pack on here. Oh, I. I I do tell you the truth, guys, because then in the next two, Ambient Electronica, that's a channel on Spotify. I think it's an official Spotify playlist. And Lounge uh, Soft House. Um, I'm just trying to think, what else? If we were on our way to a party and we're in the car and we just want to be in a good mood. Um, well, David absolutely loves uh, Fleetwood Mac, and I've really, really come to love Fleetwood Mac also. And if you get just like the right Fleetwood Mac album, they're just like so all over the place and there's so many different moods and all good stuff, all good stuff. Um, oh, I do have a correction, a correction to do on the fly. All right, the press conference video that we showed you is from yesterday, not today. And she isn't the first black woman press secretary, the first in decades. The first was Judy Smith, who was under George H.W. Bush. I like doing corrections for some reason. I, to me, like, that, there's something nice about that. Like, I don't have a problem, you know, I do as much of this as I can off the top of my head. And, you know, okay, so we got, whether it happened yesterday or today, wrong, like th that sort of thing. But like, I, I really don't mind doing corrections. I'm just a human being doing the best I can with some paper and a Sharpie. Uh, all right, guys, hope you enjoyed the Q&A. Uh, if you wanna get in the next one, of course, you can always join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Part two of my interview with Brown professor, Brown economist, uh, Glenn Lowry is up right now. He happens to be a conservative who happens to be black and happens to not be into critical race theory. I think you'll find it Quite interesting. Uh, my full interview with Steven Crowder about what's going on with his YouTube channel, uh, may it be here tomorrow, we do not know. Uh, that is up right now on both YouTube and on Locals. And tomorrow we're doing a news recap panel. We've got Liz Wheeler, Cabot Phillips from The Daily Wire and Alex Marlowe from Breitbart. I've got a couple other things to do today. Enjoy your afternoon, everybody. And uh, yeah, let's, let's use some, I feel momentum. Do you feel a little momentum? I feel momentum. Let's fix this thing. All right, see you tomorrow.
Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.